You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Welcome to the Bride Chilla Podcast. That's my song for you, lovely bride chillas and groom chillas. I feel a little ashamed, I have to admit, that this is one of the most important investments you will make with your wedding. And I haven't really covered wedding photography since episode 100 and episode 101. And now we're into the 300s. So it's about time, my friends. And uh, what better way to talk about wedding photography than with a very newly published author, photographer, expert, and sassy broad, Kevin Elizabeth is here from Kevin Elizabeth Photography. Kevin, I'm going to call you. Uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. What an amazing <laughs> greeting. I wish everyone would announce me like that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm available. I can follow you around and go, Kevin <laughs> yes. Elizabeth. <laughs> Yes, I like it. I like it too. And uh, straight away, I'm like, I think we're going to get along just fine. Now, Kevin, you are based in San Diego, but you are about to release or you have just released your own book, which I have to say a big congratulations to. It's a big job having just Thank done you. it myself. <laughs> Oy vey. Yeah. Let's all, let's all just lose a lot of weight and night sleep and yeah. publish books. Oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Your book is titled A Bride's Guide to a Perfect, a Picture Perfect Wedding. And uh, we're going to talk today all about photography, about what you do, what you'd advise, and how really for bride chillers and groom chillers to find the photographer that works for them when there are so many people that claim to be the world's best photographers. <laughs> so, how the hell you get into that zone and pick someone? And pass that big responsibility on of capturing your day. So I've spoken a lot. Let's start from the scratch. How did you get into photography? <laughs> Ooh, so that is an old story, I guess. Uh, when right. I was in high school, I would do a lot of photography with friends just for fun. I don't think the partic- pictures were particularly stunning, uh, but they were creative, I guess. So I had mm. that going for me. And, um, you know, I was thinking that I perhaps wanted to do this as my career. And sadly enough, I let the ill-suited advice of some older adults who said that's a hobby, not a career, really affect me. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm like, look (laughs) at me now. (laughs) But I uh, I did. (laughs) Yeah. So I took that to heart and um, then went to college for political science. And then from there, I went to um, grad school in Washington, D.C., got my master's in political science and was working in the human rights field all the while doing more portrait photography just mm. on the side because a grad student has no money. So <laughs> you've got to <laughs> supplement somehow because you, you have no hustle, time. you got to hustle, girl. you got to hustle. Exactly. So I was doing a good bit of portraits and one day in, I guess it was May of, oh my gosh, I don't even remember the year. It might've been ooh, 2013 or something like that. I shot a wedding for a friend and the whole day was just magical to me. And I just, something clicked in my mind. And I said, you know what, this is what I want to do. So I finished out my commitments in DC and then started working on building my business and then moved to San Diego in 2014 and pretty much went full time from then with weddings. And now I'm doing mostly weddings in San Diego, but also some on the East coast, um, some up in 
you know, further up in California. So all over the place at this point, and it's pretty much me living my dream. Oh, you, I want what you've got. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm also living my dream. Sorry, Broadchills, I am living my dream, but I think the idea you've moved somewhere sunny, you've left the world of political science, politics, maybe at this time is probably a good choice, maybe not, I don't know. But actually, I was going to say, with your Polsai background, I feel like weddings are sort of a political thing. I talk a lot oh about. Gosh. Yes, you know, I, I say that um, my uh, my sort of deduction of parents giving money to couples, I call them wedding donors because they're a little bit like political donors who say they don't want anything, but they really want everything. Control. <laughs> a bit house of cards. And yes. uh, yeah, so you're dealing with a lot of emotions, a lot of toing and throwing, throwing, throwing. And actually, I always think the photographer is a little bit like a makeup artist and a hairstylist who observe a lot of stuff and absorb yes. a lot of things. Tell me a little bit about some of the emotional aspects of photography. You, you would have seen a lot of shit go down, a lot of fun <laughs> things happen. You know, yes. you are literally the window, the eye onto these events. It, is it, does it get stressful? Sometimes it can be stressful. I've been pretty blessed in that I tend to attract very down-to-earth, kind brides who have similar parents, which is great. I have had the occasional difficult or <laughs> just, I don't know, I don't can't even describe them. Um, but I've had a few, not necessarily bad eggs, but just maybe some people who were a bit much for my sort of, you know, more not sensitive personality, but just more sure. easygoing. And I like the people who are just nice to me. Um, but yeah, I would say doesn't? that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, brides. no, not at all. Um, I really think that when you have a photographer, your connection is so personal with them because they're with you the entire wedding day. You know, I'm pretty much only away from them while they're eating dinner and the mm. rest of the day I'm in, you know, within 20 feet of them or something like that. And so you're really seeing all this stuff happen, whether it be anxieties, nerves, happiness, happy tears, thankfully never really sad tears, which is great, mm. but you're observing all of this. And sometimes those emotions can become so overwhelming that you have to sort of step in and play therapist for a minute or life coach, I guess. And so you're like, oh no, this problem that, you know, is actually kind of a problem is totally not a problem. And here's, here's what we're going to do. And this is going to be great. And, you know, so you have to kind of, you know, get in there sometimes and help alleviate some stresses and, um, or, you know, you might have a really happy bride where she sort of pumps you up all day, which is great. So yeah, it's kind of a lot. And, you know, it's not just taking pictures. It's, it's really the connection with people and getting in there and interacting with everybody and, trying to make their day really pleasant and also trying to do your job and give them photos that they're really happy with. I think people really underestimate the, as well as, as you said, taking a beautiful photo, capturing a moment that sometimes, you know, no, no one else would be aware of it happening. And I think that to me is, you know, the real beauty of of, of, of great photography for, for me, from, from a person that sort of uh, sees a lot of different wedding photos, not just the old, everyone's down in a line and let's take some <laughs> photos. Um, but but the idea that also, as you said, your job is to make people feel calm and reassured and capture those moments that they aren't necessarily aware of as well. And I think that's a really amazing skill to have. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've been to a couple of weddings where the photographers haven't necessarily had that skill. <laughs> um, and you're like, what? 
and, and it's when they start yelling and talking and shouting at people and you're like, this is not making me feel at ease and, and I don't right. you know what I'm supposed to react to you. But uh, so I think it is, I'm really glad you said that and it's also about um, couples feeling comfortable and connecting with you as well. Can, can we talk a little bit about when people approach you um, how you decide that you are the ones for each other? Like what's the pitch? How does it all work? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a fantastic question. And my answer for that is over the phone or in-person meeting, something like that. So I am not the kind of photographer who gets an email from a bride and just says, okay, here you go. Here's all the pricing. Mm. Here's all the information. Just call me if you want to talk because that's not making a personal connection. And Mm -hmm. for me, on my side of things, I want those brides who are interested in making sure that we're both a fit, who are interested in getting to know me and my personality a little bit better. And then for their side, I think they would want somebody who would do the same for them. So you really can't do that over email. And so as much as some people might not like getting on the phone, it is extremely helpful to do that because without that personal conversation, there's really no way to see if you click. And if you're just going about this process on pricing alone and the look of their photos alone, you Mm. might come into some disappointments later on down the road where maybe your personalities don't click so well, or they just don't make you feel as comfortable. So it's really important to hop on the phone or meet with them in person, do a, a Skype or a FaceTime. And I think that's really where you can make sure that you find the perfect photographer for you. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I do think, look, and I'm not disparaging the idea that going, if you're looking for a photographer and you find, quote unquote, the perfect photographer for you, but then you realize they're 20 grand and you've got two, <laughs> it ain't the, right. they're not the perfect photographer for you as much as they take a beautiful photograph. So I think as well as, um, yes, exactly what you said, it's not just about price lists and uh, finding, you know, are you available on the day? Great, let's let's yeah. book together. But it's also about the, the logistics, logistics of it all. But also don't be chasing people that are, are literally five times out of your price range because it's not, right. it's, it's not going to work for you. Right. <laughs> no one's going to come down and do that. But I suppose that's the big challenge, isn't it, is finding the style of photography that you like and then honing in, which I always yes. struggle to give people advice on because it even overwhelms me. How do you do it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a complicated process for sure. So if you really haven't looked at a lot of wedding photography or wedding images on blogs or Instagram or whatever it may be, It's really important to determine what sort of aesthetic you like in your images. So before you even get into your, you know, contacting photographers, you should really have an idea. It doesn't have to be super specific or detailed, but you should have a general idea of the style of photography you're looking for, uh, whether it be light and airy, dark and moody, super photojournalistic, a little bit more traditional and posed, fine art, all those different things. And really the best way to figure that out is to you know, start looking on Instagram, start looking on the wedding blogs. And the more you look at it, you'll start to realize, you know, or maybe even utilize a Pinterest board for this, maybe start saving some photos you like. And then once you're tired of that process, then you can go look at your board and see, oh, hey, look, these are all really light. They're bright. You know, they're very candid, that sort of thing. So you'll see those mm. patterns. And so to me, that's a very methodical way to go about it, where maybe someone who's not so type A like me would want to do that. But I think it can 
can be fun. And I think along the way, you know, you'll also get inspired with wedding decor and whatnot from the photos. So it's sort of, you know, a a multitasking type thing that gives you different benefits. But I would definitely say just have fun with it and, you know, browse a couple websites, browse Instagram, those sorts of things. And then you'll pretty much figure out the aesthetic that you're looking for. That's great. And and when you sort of talk about the candid nature and, and looking at um, different, uh, I, I suppose, different styles of photography is of approaching potentially a, a photographer that that does, you know, the candid sort of photography. Is it candid the right word? Am I bringing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What am I trying to say? You're not necessarily lining everyone up doing the traditional portrait sort of shots. But if you want those shots, because a lot of mums seem obsessed with it and grandmothers yes. <laughs> and they want the family together and I get it. People are going to die and whatever. Um, that's, that's an awful thing to say. <laughs> Welcome to my show. Oh, I'm yes. Yes. People are going to die, so line them up and take a photo of them. Um, right. <laughs> is it a, one question that sort of comes up in our Facebook community saying, we want the candid style photography, but we do want the traditional portraits as well. Is it offensive to ask a photographer that does the candid stuff to line everyone up and take a couple of family pics? Is it offensive? Does it work? <laughs> it's absolutely not offensive. I have yet to come across a bride who does not want that lining up of the family photos. You yes. know, it's, I feel like you just have to take it. And maybe in, in a couple decades that will die out and family photos will become <laughs> somehow much more sneaky and candid and whatnot. But yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's good to have those. I think those are potentially some of the photos that you and your family might want to frame. So for me, when I have... Um, I give out my bride's wedding questionnaires and they sort of ask what family formal photos, that's what we call them family formals because they Uh are indeed quite formal. So I'm always asking them what they want and giving them suggestions. But then I really, really tell them how much time it takes to do each photo because while some brides might think, oh, it's just a simple shutter click and then you're done. Mm. Families can sometimes be just all over the place. Like maybe uncle Bob is... 20 yards away and he keeps disappearing. We have to go look for him and, or maybe no one's paying attention or maybe people are a little bit too drunk. So they're just not listening to the photographer. So I really make it a point to tell couples, try to keep your list maybe to around 10 groupings. You know, you don't need 30. That's going to take forever. Everyone's going to get sick of standing around smiling at the camera. So try to really think about the list that is most important to you. So pretty typical would be you know, bride and groom with the bride's parents, and then maybe also one with her parents and her siblings. Same for the groom's side. If grandparents are still around, we might throw them in. Um, But generally, you know, not doing much extended family during that time, because that's something that can be done during reception and it's a little bit more relaxed. So, you know, those are definitely, I think, key photos to have and not at all offensive to ask someone whose main style is quite candid and photojournalistic. How do you deal with crazy Arnie Susan, who's like, now we need to get everyone here. She's yelling and she's trying to bring in extra people and you're like, fuck off, Aunt Susan or whatever your name is. You just, I can't deal with you. You just Let me do my job. How do you, oh my God, I've seen it happen and it's like, listen, this person's being behaved. They know what they're doing. We don't need you. She's had a couple of champagnes. She's loose as a... And you just want to go, go away, but you can't because you're a nice person and you're bubbly and you're lovely. But do you just say, listen, Susan, take a step off. I'm boss. (laughs) I'm the captain now. 
<laughs> in so many words, yes. Now, that said, <laughs> if we have a lot of extra time. I am happy to do an extra family grouping or two. But a lot of the time, we don't have that extra time. There's yeah. places to be and things to be done. And so in that situation, I'll just have to say, you know what? I'm so sorry. We are running out of time for these. We have to finish up. But if you want to gather all those people during cocktail hour or the reception and come find me or my second shooter, then we'd be happy to take that photo. And so that's sort of like a yes and a no answer. So they're Good. getting what they want, just not exactly at that moment. So they're still going to be happy. They're still going to get that photo, but we're not going to you know, really disrupt the timeline because we're fitting in all these extra things. That's really nice. You've got to be firm You've got to be promising something that may or may not happen, but just keep them moving. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. After the break, Kevin and I talk about photography timelines, what you need at what time, how much time to allocate in your wedding schedule, and what shots are important to you. She also explains a lot about how to really hone in on your photographer list and make sure that you are choosing someone that really fits the sort of style that you would like to achieve from your wedding photography. More of the Bride Chiller podcast in a momo. Can we talk a little bit about a photography timeline? Because I know that's something you, you talk about in your book. And I think a lot of people underestimate, as you said earlier, the time it does take to gather people, but also having your shots as a couple. And uh, mm-hmm. if you want to have a bridal party shoot as well, that this, this does actually eat up a lot of time. How can couples be more efficient uh, with working with their photographer and also being realistic about what they want to achieve versus actually how much time they'd like to allocate to this part of the day? Sure. That's a fantastic question. This is something that is very huge in photography is time and we need time to take photos. So my Mm. very, very simple advice would be listen to your photographer. If they say, I need 30 minutes to do this, then try your best to give them those 30 minutes. If they say, I can't achieve these 50 family photos in 10 minutes, they can't do that. Like, we're not going to lie to you or, you know, there for you. It's in your best interest to take our (laughs) advice and our education and understand that we know best what time we need. I mean, even the wedding planners, like they're fantastic. I love working with planners, but Mm -hmm. they don't even always know how much time photographers need because everyone is different. So for me, I like to have an hour and a half in the getting ready section to do details, candids, get my warm up going. But other photographers might only want 30 minutes. Some might want two hours. So really, it's important to ask your photographer, how much time do you need for this? But generally, you know, I would say that just try to manage expectations. They can't do the impossible. We're not magicians. I wish we were. (laughs) You know, we do our best to get everything done. And then also being understanding that weddings are very dynamic events. So if something runs late, for example, hair and makeup, that runs late all the breaking time. Uh And so if that runs late, then we get cutting of the portrait time. So that's not really fun, but you have to understand these things happen and weddings are crazy days. Sometimes things just run late. Sometimes things go wrong. And that means you might lose out on those pictures. So just really understanding that things could change and respecting that weddings are these very dynamic days. So it's important just to keep a calm mind about this stuff. Couldn't agree more. Do you Tell me about second shooters as well. You mentioned, and I, I forgot to ask you earlier, 
Is it important to, when you're looking at hiring a photographer, is it important to ask about having a second shooter? How prevalent, am I using Mm -hmm. the right, how prevalent are they and do they cost more money? So I would say that most of the photographers that I have come in contact with are always using a second shooter. It's built into the package and for weddings, I would say above maybe 20 people, it's really, really good to have them because I can't be in two places at once. So if I'm, for example, photographing the bride getting into her gown, who's photographing the groom getting into his suit or tux or whatever? And then Mm -hmm. for the ceremony, getting those multiple angles of the bride coming down the aisle from behind, all these different things. And then during portraits, I might be working with the couple and the family to photograph them while maybe my second shooter is photographing the reception details or photographing candidates of your guests at cocktail hour. So for me and my benefit, it really helps decrease my stress because I don't have to worry about running over to get these things photographed if I don't have any time. So it's good for me and it makes me calm down knowing that I've got someone (laughs) I can trust. But then it's also really amazing for the couple because they get these multiple angles, they get a better coverage of their guest. It's just really an all around great thing to have. And You know, if you are really strapped on cash for photography and you are thinking about cutting out the second photographer and you have like 100, 150 guests, just be very aware that you're probably not going to have a lot of coverage of your guest and you might miss out on some things. So it's really a balance. And I think people should have them. But again, if you cannot have them, you just have to manage your expectations. And exceptions to this are, again, weddings, 20 or fewer guests, something like that, because it's so small. Everything is very manageable. But for generally for weddings, especially if you're having 50 plus guests, I say you should do it. Totally. <laughs> and, and I don't shoot a lot. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's well, it's great, and I think that's uh, sometimes I think people would see it as as a luxury of ha- having a second shooter. But w- how you've just summed it up, I think, why wouldn't you not do it? Especially if you're missing moments that you potentially could have, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's great. What do you think about? Uh, I, I look, I struggle with using trends on this show, partially because I really try and find make the podcast something that people could go and listen to, you know, in five years' time. So. I always sort of go, oh, I don't ever want to talk about trends because it dates things. <laughs> right. But the, what have you sort of uh, over the last few years, what are changes and great things that you would have sort of said you might not have expected to have been such a mainstream thing now? What are things that have changed that have become popular without using the word trend, Alicia? Look at me. Didn't do that very well. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. I think – from my perspective, and it might be different from a bride. I mean, I am a bride to be currently, which is fun, but I have such a photographer's perspective that when I look at the wedding photography world, the trends that I see, I just use that word. Come the on, things it's fine. that I see that are becoming more popular <laughs> yes. are editorial shoots. So style shoots, yeah. photo shoots, what have you. And I think that from my perspective, those are really amazing to do because we get to play with things that maybe our brides aren't doing. We get to have fun collaborating with other vendors. So you are seeing a lot more of those on the wedding blogs, on Instagram and in portfolios. And I think that, you know, they're great. They're a lot of fun. They're very inspiring. That's the whole purpose of them is to inspire people to do something different because let's face it, sometimes brides just repeat the same things over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's great to have something totally unique and fresh out there. That said, 
if you are looking at someone's portfolio on Instagram or their website, and it looks like every single photo has a like professional model in it, then <laughs> I, I would suggest that you ask them if they can share a real wedding gallery with you. I mean, don't write them off completely just because their portfolio is all editorials. I think sometimes people do that to really curate their style. Yeah. But again, ask to see a real wedding if you don't see any. And because the, here's the thing. I mean, a model is going to photograph very differently than a real bride because they do all these kinds of crazy things and know what to do with their body much more. They don't need as much direction. And so it's a lot different than working with a real bride. Um, and so that's something that I would say to look out for. And then another trend, ugh, I just did it again. Another popular <laughs> thing is um, film photography. So that's something that is rising in the wedding world. It's becoming mm. very, you know, on trend these days to do film and people do it for different reasons. It's not better than digital. Digital is not necessarily better than film, but I am seeing a lot more people convert to film photography or even a lot of people are, are hybrid. They're doing both these days. So that's something that is more and more prevalent right now and is just a, a different medium to bring to the field. How do you work with videographers? Do you have people that you work with regularly uh, if someone came to you and asked for suggestions or do they bring their videographer to work with you from your experience? I hope that they take my suggestions because I cannot tell you how many times <laughs> I have shown up to a wedding to work with a videographer I've never heard of and they are in my way the whole day. They're getting in front of my camera. They're really slowing things down. And most people would say that photography is, is really the main priority for the day, not for everyone, but for most things, because the photos are going to be on your walls and it's going to be what you look at. Whereas mm -hmm. the video is so beautiful, but you're really going to have to go onto your computer to look at it. It's just not as tangible. And photography is something that is really expected to capture every moment of the day. Whereas video, when they're making those highlight reels, they can really take the whole day and, and push it into maybe five, 10 minutes. So they don't need to be giving you every second of the day. So when they are very intrusive to the photographer, it can be problematic. And I will tell you the worst I've ever had was I was shooting this wedding in Balboa Park. It's a really big, famous park in San Diego. And there's this giant organ pavilion. It's this big stage. And so the wedding was taking place on the stage. I was down, you know, on the ground. I wasn't going to get up on the stage with them because that would be a bit much. <laughs> oh, and I'm not, I'm not that confident about, <laughs> you know, stepping in that closely. But the videographer was in a plaid colored shirt and white sunglasses oh, on the no. stage within arm's reach of the couple, the entire ceremony. Oh. I, I am not a very confrontational person, but during that ceremony, when I noticed that he caught my eye, I was like frantically motioning for him to get off the stage because he's going to be two feet from their faces during the first oh. kiss. And I'm like, you know, Gross. even though if that happens, it's not my fault that he's there. I can't control that. But I really want them to have a nice, lovely photo without his face and his stupid white sunglasses in them. And I'm really <laughs> sorry if you wear white sunglasses. It just didn't fit this guy. <laughs> we don't need to apologize to white sunglasses wear unless you're like ultra beyond hipster. Yeah. I just say. It reminds me like in Australia, we play cricket. And the cricketers are a bit, and, and this is a very Australian word, they're a bit daggy, they're a bit naff, you know. They always sort of wear a bit of zinc on their their um, 
nose and they wear the sort of sports sunglasses and they're usually white and they just look, <laughs> I don't know, like a dad going fishing. It's like, yeah. stop it. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think <laughs> I've seen videographers and I, my background's television. I'm a TV producer by day and I always think it's interesting watching people from mixed media w- trying to work together and, you know, you know the people that work together well and that, you know, know how they move and, you know, how you right. go about your business. And then you introduce a new person, like a new sound person or someone that's, you know, it, their their job is to not be seen but to do the job basically. Right. <laughs> and it's always interesting just to see new formations happening going, this is not going to work or you just, this is, you know, you just got to learn from each other. So I think that's really important to, to, um, to get that that vibe together. So would you, if someone approached you and they've hired you, would you then say, look, here's my list of videographers that I'd recommend if people were really dead keen to hire someone else? Oh, absolutely. And there's a couple of people in town who I love working with because they are just as respectful of me and what I need and that I go first <laughs> in a very yeah, humble right. way. Um, and I'm very respectful of them. So you know, I want to give them their time to get what they need. And again, videos are so much more dynamic. So if I'm having the couples walk towards me for a photo, they're capturing that along the side. Like they love movement, those sorts of things. So they're able to really get their stuff while I'm getting mine. And then at the end, typically they'll say, okay, I'm going to jump in and grab a couple extra things. And I love that. I love a relationship where you're both working together. And then, you know, one of the things that has always been problematic with some of the videographers that I have not liked working with is (laughs) the reception, uh, whether it be the first dance or toast. And I've had, again, some videographers who are three feet away from the couple during the entire first dance. And there's nothing I can't, I can't get them out of that shot, no matter what angle I'm at, because they're so close to the couple, I can't do anything about it. So, you know, it's really important to trust your photographer on videographers. If, if you want both of those there on your day, some companies will offer photo and video. They'll bring a separate person along for video. And that can be really great. One thing I will say is that I do get inquiries from time to time where people will ask me if I personally also do video because maybe Mm. they don't want to spend extra on another videographer or they want sort of a two in one. And I think it's really important for me, at least I can't speak for all photographers to focus a hundred percent on the photos. If I started trying to add in video in there, I would really be detracting from the photography. The photography would suffer because of it. And then you would end up with two products where neither one of them was spectacular and amazing. So Mm. some people, might be able to do that just fine. But I generally think it's better to go with somebody whose expertise is what you're looking for. Yeah. I, yeah. Really good point. And that goes with so many other wedding vendors as well. Then, <laughs> I, you know, you, you see people and you're like, and I, I get that some people are, are designers and they do floral work as well as, I don't right. know, table decoration. Fine. But there are people that are, that do try and combine skills. And I don't necessarily think that's means you're any better at what you're doing because you're just cramming a lot more shit on your CV. Right. That's how it works. My words. Exactly. My words. <laughs> um, Kevin, are you seeing people, the first look uh, was very big a couple of, well, in the last year, especially wedding media, the first mm-hmm. look photography sessions. Are you still seeing that happening a lot? Do you think it's a good thing? Should people embrace it? I love the first look. And I know a lot of photographers do that. And some photographers are quite pushy about it with their couples. I will try to educate my couples on the benefits of it, which are 
you know, you don't have to go into posing and all those formal pictures right after your ceremony. You can rather ride that high and then enjoy your cocktail hour. You can actually yeah. mingle with your guest, which is a complaint. I've done some surveys of wedding guests. And one complaint they have is that they don't get to see the couple enough. They don't get enough FaceTime, enough conversation. So by having the first look, you can enjoy that cocktail hour. And maybe maybe your photographer will want to pull you out for 10 minutes of sunset photos, just depending on the time of year. But mm-hmm. I think it's something Thing that's also really nice because you get to have that moment of seeing each other with no one else around other than your entire photo and video team, but you don't have to be on the spotlight. You can actually talk to each other. And a lot of my couples who were on the fence, who ended up doing it said that they were so glad they did because mm-hmm. it really helped calm their nerves. It made them a little less anxious. They felt just they were brought back down to earth. So I think also from my perspective, it is really nice to put all of those photos before the ceremony, because if you have an hour for cocktail hour and I'm expected to do bridal party, family and bride and groom, unless you have a teeny tiny bridal party and a very, very short family list, you're not going to get a lot of bride and groom photo time because most venues, most planners, don't like it when you go past cocktail hour with your bride and groom. So (laughs) it's something that is, I think, very helpful for people. And there are some people who say we're more traditional. We'd like to wait, blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's great. But I will say, just know that the whole not seeing each other before the wedding thing was not a good thing thing in its origin. No, it was actually so it was actually so when arranged marriages were happening, if they saw each other beforehand and didn't like how they looked, they might run away. So for that reason, yeah. they didn't want them to see each other in case they bolted. So it didn't really start in a good place. And so no. I think if you are more traditional, perhaps consider why you want to stick to that tradition. And if you decide you want to, that's fine. You don't have to do a first look, but I really think they're great. I'm going to be doing one and I think it's less stressful for everyone. And then you get to relax and enjoy cocktails during cocktail hour. Yes. Oh, yes. More, more. Kevin <laughs> says it all. I, I just did a lovely interview with um, a, a, an author, Katrina, um, who is The Feminist Bride. She's got a fantastic blog called The Feminist Bride and she's just released a book. And she her, her big sort of message is sort of exactly what you were saying, just questioning a little bit about why we do these certain traditions and saying why is it actually meaningful to you to follow this path when right. – the reason behind it is actually pretty shitty. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not of our time anymore. Exactly. Um, especially, I say, most people living in a Western country listening to this podcast probably not involved in an arranged marriage. Maybe you are. Doubtful. <laughs> um, if you are, write to me. I'd love to meet you. But I think <laughs> the, the the that idea that there's a lot of people now sort of waking up to what traditions mean and actually just sort of making changes to things that don't work. And I think the first look is such a fantastic idea just for you, but also uh, that you get more time with your guests, like you were saying, but you have that quiet moment with each other when Mm -hmm. that day is, you know, you've obviously been to hundreds of weddings that there's not many quiet moments left after that. So (laughs) embrace it. (laughs) Yes, it goes very fast. So try to savor those moments. And if you're having a first look, you get time with your fiance. And also you just get more photos because you have more time for photos. So that's just another amazing benefit of it. Exactly. Exactly. Do you tell me a little bit about how um, the book came about? Because 
I, I love um, having just sort of produced a book myself. I know the time that goes into it, but I love that you, you've got a, a great message that you wanted to sort of share with your audience. T- tell me a little bit about the process and how it came about and um, what you want to achieve from people reading your book. Sure. So it really started from my blog. So on my blog, I blog, of course, weddings, engagements, other sessions, but I also almost weekly, not all the time if I get busy, but almost every Thursday, I blog some sort of wedding planning tip for couples that helps them with an aspect of their wedding. And no, I'm not trying to be a wedding planner, but I think it's important to put more education out in the world, especially sometimes the larger mainstream bridal education will tell them things that's not really relevant because those people aren't wedding vendors. They're not in there. They're not seeing what happens. They're just seeing the final product of it. And so for me, it's always been very important to educate my couples on the different aspects of photography or their wedding day. And I think a lot of photographers focus on educating other photographers, which is fantastic, but there aren't that many people telling couples, hey, this is why we need this, or this is why this is better, or this is how you can do this, and here's what it will accomplish. So for me, that was always my passion. And so a couple of years ago, when I was first starting to get into weddings, I was writing that blog and I thought, hey, what if I turned this into a glorified ebook for my brides? And then it evolved from there. And I said, maybe I'll make this into a book. And I took it really slowly. I would write maybe a chapter a month so that it wouldn't get overwhelming. And then I would edit a chapter a month. And so I really stretched it out over a long period of time for better or worse. And I think it's better because I, I think I'm in a great place in my business now. Whereas a couple of years ago, if I had published it, it, you know, it would have been just very different for me. So now it is complete and it's something that I'm really proud of. And it's definitely something that has caused a lot of, you know, stress and (laughs) frustration along the way, uh, because things happen. And, you know, I've, I've run into a couple of issues with the printer and even right now I'm, I'm having the books reprinted because they came to me and I said, you know what, this, this isn't, exactly the quality I wanted. And, you know, it's, it's really taught me a lot to push for what you need and to ask for or what you want. And so it's been definitely an overwhelming process and something that's very new to me. And I didn't know anything about the industry. And now I'm, you know, I'm not like a professor in it now, but I'm a lot more well-versed and it's here. It's, it's done. It's taken me years and it's something that I'm, I'm so tired of reading it and doing the production side. I'm oh my so sick of that book. I think you and I have been living the same life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I have to read that book one more time, I'm just going to like throw it in the trash. It's a great book. I just probably read it like a hundred times at this point. Yes. And um, I might even have memorized some sentences by now, but I'm very much ready for the next step of putting it out in the world. And what I'm really hoping to accomplish with this book is to reach brides who maybe haven't come across my blog or who are more interested in a beautiful book that they can have in their home to help teach them about the inner workings of photography in a very non-technical, very easy to understand way. That's going to help them make different changes to their plans or to the feel and flow of their day that will ultimately give them better wedding photos. Because 
my philosophy has always been that the success of wedding photography is 80% the photographer. So my skills, my talent, my knowledge, and everything else. And then 20% the couple. So whether it be them trusting me or them showing up with a great attitude and being really excited about the photos and just a team player, and also them, you know, giving me some of the things that I need to really make my best work. So, you know, I can dive into an example, which is that a lot of couples don't really know that where they're getting ready for their wedding really can affect the getting ready photos. So if you are getting ready in a really dark room with zero windows, like I can't make that look like a beautiful, bright, natural lit, you know, very lovely space. I just can't. Again, I, I'm not a magician. I'm not a genie. You can't, even with the best sort of talent, you really can't be making things look like what they're not. So in my book, I teach very early on in the few chapters that here's what you should look for in a getting ready room. This is what you need. You know, you need larger windows. You need multiple windows if you can snag it. Corner rooms are amazing. Avoid, you know, very dimly lit rooms with dark paint. It's just, you know, telling couples all about these different things that they're probably not thinking about because they're not photographers. This isn't immediately on their minds. So if I can help tell them about these small changes that they can make that will really give their photographer a better canvas to work with, then I think they're going to be even more amazed by the end result of their photos. Yeah, that's lovely. And I think people having different perspectives is, you know, such a gift that you're giving them. And also just appreciating what a really good photo is because I think a lot of people can pick up, you know, you can look through and go to a gallery or look through even just fantastic photojournalism that we see on the internet every day mm -hmm. to really appreciate what a great what a great image is and why it's great to me, I think is something I'm learning every day. But, um, you know, I think you giving couples that gift as well and learning the process a bit more I think knowledge is power and the more you understand, the more you know what you're investing your money in and why it's important to you. So I salute you, Kevin. I really think it's fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> now tell me, when, where can we purchase the book? Where can we learn more about you? And uh, I feel like I'm going to stalk you now. This feels like <laughs> the stalk, let the stalking commence. <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> I like harmless stalking. Yeah, yeah nice they stalking. Not weird. Not weird. Just want exactly. to say that. Exactly. <laughs> so they can find me on Instagram. I'm on there all the time at Cavin Elizabeth. And that is yes. Cavin with a V as in Victor. So that is a great place to find me, get instantly familiar with a little bit of my work and my life and everything else. It's also where I typically put out updates about things regarding the book. So um, in terms of the book specifically, that is going to be linked to in my Instagram profile very, very soon. The book should cool. be available for purchase on ebook a little bit sooner than print because again we are sort of redoing the print but that will be ready about January 30th January 31st if all goes well and then the print will be available within the next couple of weeks after that woohoo oh well look congratulations <laughs> and you know it's a it is like a hardcore process and i i take my hat off to you because we've gone through a self publishing uh, a journey in this last year and it's just coming to fruition now, but I, I have learned a lot as well. And I feel like we could do a podcast about printing a book and how much freaking oh work. And honestly, when you said about <laughs> rereading things, my husband, Rich, was we, we sent it off to the proofreader and then it would come back. And I was like, 
if I have to read this fucking book one more time, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> and it's like, I love it. I put my heart into it, but it yes. makes me feel sick. <laughs> everyone go and buy our books (laughs) yeah exactly they're so great no I know my fiance feels the same way too he's like I I can't read this anymore I'm like I can't read it anymore (laughs) it's good it's great we love it exactly Exactly. you all read it so we don't have to (laughs) yes do it for me uh, look, it's perfect. Again, uh, a bride's guide to a picture-perfect wedding. And uh, Kevin Elizabeth, it's been such a delight having you on the show. I would love to have you back. I feel like there's a lot we haven't covered with photography and it feels like a whole other episode. So I am uh, yes. passing the baton to say let's in a, let's revisit uh, very soon and go a little bit deeper into wedding photography. And also I know one area that I've been asked about and we didn't have time to cover today was feeling comfortable in front of the camera and and posing Mm -hmm. without posing. So let's earmark that for a future ep. And um, if you have any questions that you'd like to include Lovely Bride Chillers, get in touch and we will uh, add them to the list. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's been such a delight. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's been absolutely my pleasure. And uh, we always bid everyone happy days. (laughs) Happy days, everyone. The Bride Chiller Podcast. The only place a cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right? <laughs>